Broadcasting to the world, this is On Call with Chad McCall. With Chad McCall. In our show, we bring you inspiration, strategies, and insights on how to start, grow, and scale your business. It's drastically changed my life. The show is so informative, I just love it. It's honest. It's helped me grow as a person. Real talk about life, lifestyle, society, and living limitless. Learning from the top influencers across the world, along with industry experts, authorities for you to live your greatest life. It's time to level up. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here's your host, best-selling author and mentor, Chad McCall. Welcome to another episode of On Call with Chad McCall. I hope you're all enjoying this holiday season, and I want to say a very special thanks for including me in your day. With each episode, I want to add value to your life and your business. Every episode, I have great conversations with entrepreneurs sharing their stories, tips, and advice on how they had a breakthrough or learned an important lesson that they want to share with you. I'm so lucky that I get to have these great conversations to empower you and your business or maybe get you a tip or a trick that can truly make an impact in your life. Today, I'm calling a friend of mine from a long time ago. We shared stages before in like Utah, North Carolina, Florida, and he really gives an amazing presentation, but he's even a better person to talk to off the stage. He's a former concert pianist. He turned entrepreneur in 2009 and lost everything. He was even homeless. Wasn't because of the recession, but because of a divorce and his ex-wife took everything This isn't uncommon for many people in the world, especially entrepreneurs. What I've learned is when an entrepreneur gets knocked down, you can't keep them down for long. And that's exactly what Marco did. He made his millions by developing a skill. And just because you lose your money, the one thing they can't take away is that knowledge of how you acquired those millions. I love a great story. I love success. And I love the way people learn and become more than they were after something like this happens to them. When starting over, he noticed things were changing constantly in his industry, and after a recession, he wanted to make sure he could build back better. He's responsible for hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue and thousands of doors, and the best part was he did it without using his own money. He now teaches his strategies all over the world, from Australia to Singapore, in North America, and in Europe. He doesn't seek out opportunities of abandoned burned houses or drug dens. He buys apartments, mobile homes and hotels. He doesn't seek out opportunities of abandoned, burned out houses like you see on TV or drug dens. He buys apartments, mobile home parks, and hotels. He believes in stable opportunities that are healthy and earning money. He enjoys being a dad and life that real estate... He enjoys being a dad and the life that real estate has allowed him to achieve two times. So hang tight while I get Marco Kozlowski on the line. Hello. Marco. Polo. <laughs> this is Chad. How are you today? You are on the podcast. Yay. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. So I really was looking forward to giving you a call today. 
2020, talking about the market, but not just about real estate stuff, more so about real estate and industries and some of the cool things that you're doing out there all over and what you're teaching people from all over the world right now, even in today's economy. So I hope you're ready for it. I am. I am excited to uh, share anything I can with you. For some of the people that may not know you, let's do a little bit of a backstory. And I kind of wanted to take it from around 2009 when you started completely over. You and I go way back even further than that from like the right Thurston days from seminars and speaking and Larry Gold's event a long, long time ago. So many years, but let's take it from that 09 part where people that are on here, listeners, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, people that are changing in life and just they're looking for something or they're starting over. Like you've got a great story. Let's talk a little bit about 2009 and how you got to that point where you started all over. Um, I'll, I'll, let me backdate it a little bit where I was preparing for the crash. And uh, just before the crash happened, you had these sign and drive loans, uh, stated, uh, assets that you could buy with, you know, pulling out 20% of, uh, the, the purchase price. So we were buying these luxury homes, pulling out two, $300,000 a pop, buying as many as we could and, uh, saved up about 11 million bucks. And, uh, as soon as the market turned, my spouse uh, decided to take all the money and disappear. And I was left with all the debt and no cash to be able to uh, take care of it. So I actually went into homelessness in 2009. And it was a pretty terrible time. I, uh, my, my ego was attached to how much money I had. I had saved and worked really, really hard. I've been at this for 21 years. And man, I, I was in a really bad spot and pretty close to suicidal, in fact. I think I was... And uh, it, it took a little bit to uh, get me out of it. In fact, a homeless man um, told me to start wearing red socks, which is really interesting. Uh, in fact, bought red socks. And uh, the day that I put those red socks on, I uh, had a really interesting conversation with someone that a good friend of mine that I was present in a conversation for. I wasn't talking about my problems. I wasn't talking about how bad my life was, how I how everyone had done bad things to me and how I was in just woe is me, you know being a princess uh, and telling everyone about my problems and that makes people scatter like cockroaches. I was really present for my friend and he actually offered me to uh, offered to, to lend me 50,000, which to him was his entire life savings just to help me out as a friend. And I broke down crying and I realized at that point that our relationships were way more important than money. And I had more riches around me than I expected and, and knew about. And it didn't matter what I had before. It's what can I do now today to give as much value to people around me as possible? And because it was 09, and at the time I was living in Las Vegas, you could buy three bedroom, two bath houses with a pool in decent areas for less than 25 grand from banks. And I put those under contract, went up to uh, different people that had cash and said, I'll do the work. I'll put in the time. You buy them and we'll split the money later. And uh, some of those assets went from you know, 25, 30 grand to three, 400,000 over time. So I was able to really rebuild A, my relationships, uh, get my mind back in the game and make a lot of money in, in doing that. So went back from making a lot of money to losing all the money to back to uh, what we're doing now, which is um, we buy about 1,500 units a year and not use not one cent of my own money to do it. It's all based through relationships and access to money. All of you have access to money. You have access to money, Chad. Anyone listening to this has access to money if you just know how to structure the deal. And that scares so many people, but it's so powerful that you just said that is people don't realize what's around them. You said making it, losing it, making it again. And that makes me go back to thinking is someone like you and I, we we have a 
we think about things of you can take it away from us, but if we had to do it all over again, we still have that knowledge of how we acquired it, right? And I think that's something that no one can ever take away from us. And you were able to bounce through a, a situation and get back to thinking, you know, hey, hold on. I know how to do this again. I can easily do it again. And I think a lot of people that are listening and what's happening in the world right now in 2020, it's it's messed with a lot of people emotionally. A lot of people have are going to be, you know, mentally where you were or financially they've been, where, you know, going to be there or they've been there or they're coming out of that. That's a, a testimony of you saying, hey, you can get back that. What was the, how did you get your confidence though? When you say, you know what, I lost so much. Where did that confidence come from to really go at it again? Like, how did you get that? It went from a, a mindset of it's all about me and it's my problem and how much, what can I, me, 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 uh, really ego driven to how can I add value to others? So as soon as I understood that by giving more value to others, I'll be taken care of in the process and structure it that way. It's not just about, hey, I'm going to give you everything and take nothing for myself. Obviously, there's there are structures around that to make sure you're not taken advantage of because there is a balance. But if you understand how to make other people a lot of money or investors a lot of money or have an opportunity or a great opportunity that you are able to structure, which is from knowledge, it's not from money. Um, there, you don't need money to structure deals. You don't need money to create an opportunity or to create or to see an opportunity that's there, run the numbers to make sure that other people, if they're putting in money into the project, will make a ton of money and how to present that. That doesn't need money. That just That's knowledge, as you said. So my first attitude was I lost everything I had because I thought everything I had was money. And then as soon as I realized from that conversation that I had with my best friend, uh, David, at that time, when he just said, I'll give you everything I have, which is 50 grand. And to him, he'd be, he, he's a penny pincher. And for him to do that really touched me in a way that still makes me cry to this day because he believed in me. He knew I would be okay. And there was no collateral. He just said, I want to help you. And going from a mindset of all about me, ego-driven to how can I serve and help as many humans as possible to grow their wealth their business, I knew that I would, I, I had more money around me than I ever had before. Cause at the end of the day, it's only, it's called currency for a reason. It flows. It comes and it goes, we've all lost money. We've all made money. And if you look at all the money you've ever made in your lifetime versus what's in your bank account now, it's completely different. You know, it's a vast contrast. So you're not going to hang on to it for a while anyway. So you might as well have fun putting deals together or helping other humans or getting into a business that really drives you or you're passionate about. In my case, it's, it's cash flowing real estate. I really enjoy the, the deal structuring of it and I can help my investors make a ton of money doing it. And they get an opportunity. I get an opportunity. We get cash flow, we get tax deductions, a whole bunch of other stuff that we you know, don't have to talk about today. But the mindset is serve others. You're going to be fine. And there's a lot of people that are listening right now, Marco, that are going to be like, well, let's say they've a couple of people that are listening right now, they've lost everything. And they're like, how do I have the confidence to ask somebody for help? Because they've seen me fail. How do I know that they, that they'll see that I'm a good investment for them? Because, you know, that's a mental block. I think a lot of people are going to have right now. And even that they, if people haven't failed, they're starting a new business venture and they hear this, they hear you say money's all around me. And then they're like, well, I'm so scared to ask that friend or to mention what I'm doing to that friend. Cause you know, maybe they don't believe in me. People doubt themselves. You know, those limiting beliefs of why people won't invest into them. What would you say to those people? I'm, I'm going to sidestep the conversation and go from they don't have to believe in you 
They just have to understand the deal and how they can take advantage of that opportunity. So it's really not about you. So let's remove you from the equation. And let's say you get a property that's worth a million bucks and you can get it for 500,000. And there's a demand for it. The person is needing to sell. They got to sell you know, in two weeks or they can't have the operation that they need. And you just happen to overhear the conversation at Starbucks where they really need the money. They're willing to give equity in exchange for speed. It all checks out. Now it's a half a million dollars investment for something that's worth a million. So if you found an investor, as an example, or someone that had half a million dollars that wasn't or in, in their, in their uh, retirement account or sitting around in the bank making no money, and you present them the opportunity where, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a ridiculous, you know, we'll even split the deal. Let's just say split the deal. Uh, and you sold it for 900. They're putting in their money in a safe space because they're not going to lose because it's worth more than what you're, uh, it's, it's, it's worth a lot more than what you're buying it for. And if you were to sell it for 900,000, let's say after closing costs, it's in all the expenses is 850 and they made half of that, you know, that's, you know, a good 250, that's $150,000, sorry, 120, my math is terrible right now. Uh, you know, you're, 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 you're making an extra 350. So that's 175,000 each on that $500,000 investment. That's a, like a 33% return, right? So it's pretty amazing. And all they had to do was put in the money, which is what most investors do on Wall Street anyway. They put money into something and hoping they get a five, six, seven, eight percent return. And here you are giving 30% returns. So it's not you that have to really worry. It's that you have to worry about. It's not you that you have to worry about. It's really, can you put the deal together to attract the money? It's They don't have to trust you. Can they trust the deal? And if you present the deal in the right way, the money will always be there. And it's a good point that you, it's about what you are presenting to someone. It's almost like, hey, your friend's a horrible uh, money manager, for example, but he invests in stock in Berkshire Hathaway, all right, for example. So just because I may be a horrible money manager and I invest in Berkshire Hathaway, just because you are a smart investor doesn't mean you avoid Berkshire Hathaway because you had a friend that did it, right? It's There's opportunity. So people need to look past yourself, take yourself out of it. And I love that you said that because that's a big thing I think people do is they keep thinking they're investing into you when it's really into the opportunity itself. Right. And I think failure is important. Uh, I don't think, I, I, do you want to fly in a plane with a pilot that's never been in a simulator that where they haven't crashed the plane a few times where they haven't learned from those mistakes? I think it's so important to have mistakes, to learn from those mistakes. I want to be in a plane uh, with a, a pilot that's almost been shot down multiple times, you know, that, that can handle a massive amount of turbulence, almost missed the mountain, uh, crash landed the plane, you know, no casualties. That's the pilot I'm going to trust the most that's been through the worst of times. So if I were to trust my, my money on someone that's never made a mistake, like an A student, uh, A students generally never make mistakes. And when they do, they're crushed, right? Yeah. Someone that's a C or a B student, they're used to, hey, this didn't work. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to try different things until they succeed. That's the hustler that I would rather put my money and trust into. So just because you failed today at something, and I say failed with you know quotation marks, it's really not a failure. It's just a learning opportunity. That's something I'm not going to do again. I'm going to learn from that and do something else. So opportunities everywhere. If you focus on the mistakes, you're just going to make you're 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 going to really poop on yourself, and it's not going to be very healthy. It's okay. What did I learn, and how can I get better? Because if you folk, if you do that on a daily basis, how can I improve? How can I grow? Because if you're not growing, you're dying. And let's talk about opportunities. You just mentioned a, a good segue, I think, here for this is, 
you know, opportunities are out there. Now you changed your real estate investing business, I think. So let's talk about this. Like when getting into real estate, um, you now, you're not really talking about flipping the single family houses and not doing what you see on TV out there most common. Now, has it always been that you are into the multi-unit cash flowing properties and hotels and bigger uh, real estate? Or did you transition out of single families and small properties and go into the big ones? Tell me about this transition or have you always been that way? Uh, I went to single families for a very short period of time and I didn't like the competition. So I went to luxury. I, I, I realized that very few people were going after the big properties and it takes the same amount of time to, to flip and to make money on a you know, $2 million property or $5 million property or $10 million property as it does 50, 60, 100, $200,000 property. And the profit margins are way better on a luxury deal. You can make a million dollars on a big deal versus you know making 10,000 on a small one. So let's do big ones. And as the market and economy changed, and I was in a situation where I, I had no more money or access to money, I realized that in 08, 09, 10, 11, as there were there was more inventory on the market in the marketplace, that apartment build people were no longer able to buy, but they were they were wanting to rent. And apartment buildings actually went up in value and up in income because you had twelve and a half new, twelve and a half million new renters on the marketplace because that's how many people lost their homes between 2008 and 2012, 12.8 million people. All right. That's a lot of people. That's every address that Canada Post delivers to. I'm Canadian, so I'm just going to relate it back to being Canadian. That's 12 and a half, 12.8 million households is exactly how many households there are in Canada. So all of Canada would have lost their homes and is looking to rent. So now when you have that supply and demand, rents go up. And I'm thinking, well, instead of having one tenant with one property, why don't I have uh, a lot of tenants in one property. And then I went into multifamily and started buying those. And then from multifamily, I went into mobile home parks, which I absolutely love. Then I went into hotels because there was a distressed owner that had a mobile home park as well as a hotel. And I had never bought a hotel before, asked a ton of questions and made a few mis- quite a few mistakes on the first one, learned from that, went into another one and just amassed more and more and more hotels and understood that business extremely well. I love hotels because instead of um, instead of charging, you know, increasing rents uh, over a year, because if you have a, a lease, you have to wait a whole year before you can increase rents. You can do it every day. So if, if like in Vegas, you could stay at the Cosmo, for example, at, at 500, uh, either 500 bucks a night uh, for uh, the same room at the Cosmo that in the dead, in the dead area, uh, the, the dead time uh, you can get for 50 bucks. They just raise the rates based on what's happening in the in the area. So you can really make a ton of money with uh, with revenue management if you understand that uh, side of the business. But anyway, so now I buy everything uh, as long as there's cash flow and I'm not managing it. I don't want to manage. I'm not a good manager. I'm good at acquisitions. I want to st- stick to my strengths and I'm going to find the opportunity of a discounted asset. I don't buy anything ever unless it's at least 30% off, period, full stop. Like Costco, they're not going to buy things to put in their stores to give to their customers unless they buy it at the right price. I'm in business. I have to buy things at the right price. I'm not a speculator where I'm going to buy it a retail. I hope it goes up. It's got to be a discount built in. And specifically now in this economy with hotels that really took it on the chin, and a lot of hotel owners don't know how to pivot as things go poorly, there's a ton of opportunity right now. We just closed on a Holiday Inn that was worth $5 million that we got for under a million. Uh, and that will change. It's just bad management. And we're able to scoop it up at pennies, 20% of its value. 
And as soon as things stabilize in a couple of years, it'll be worth five, six million dollars and we'll do very well on that. So tons of opportunity everywhere. And you just have to recognize it. And if you work on recognizing those things, you can make as much money as you choose to. There's there's no limit to how much money you can make. There's no limit to how much money is in the universe. There's an unlimited amount of money in the universe. And if there's an unlimited money amount of money in the universe, why is there a limited amount in your bank account? Doesn't make sense, right? Because no limits means no limits. You should have as much as you want. So why don't you have more? Did you wake up this morning and look in your bank account and go, oh, I have too much money? Very few people do that. So why do people come to this country and have no education, no you know, just the clothes on their backs, no, can't speak the language, uh, don't have any teeth, and in five years make more than most people do in a lifetime? In five years, absolutely, that happens all the time. So what's the difference between them and us that are fairly educated? We went to a school system that you know that that you have some level of education, which is way more than those people. What's the difference between those that? just succeed and just crush it in a very short period of time and us the general the general human and you said here marco it's opportunities and bigger opportunities some people are going to be scared right now i can just tell like some of the listeners even they've been in business for 20 years they've kind of stayed in their lane they're they're at that point maybe with 2020 having to pivot something could happen someone could be starting over look at some people looking for side hustles whatever it may be you're talking about physically bigger properties and just by sometimes people get scared by just the, the physical size of it versus a single family, three bedroom, two bath. They're like, oh my gosh, like you're talking about a mobile home park, which I love those as well. And you talked about hotels. I want to separate the two and talk about both. I didn't even know I was going to talk about them both, but I, I really want to because they're just, they're such a big deal. Um, for people because they can create a lifestyle. They can change their entire life by just having one of those forever. You know, mailbox money where they can support themselves forever, I feel, just in one deal if they end up doing one. So let's talk about mobile home parks. Where did the concept of you liking mobile home parks, why did you get into that, you know, from getting to luxury homes? that's a. It seems like it's a totally different business opportunity. So tell me how you got started in mobile homes. So... So single families, you got one tenant, and if it's either 100% occupancy or zero, right? So it's feast and famine, which is dangerous because you have a mortgage to pay, which most do. Um, you can't make your mortgage, you're going to lose the property, and that's, to me, terrifying. Then I went into luxury flips, and not all flips work. You're going to make maybe 200000 on one, 300000 on another, make no money on the next three, and you know, as money comes in, it disappears. And I learned a long time ago that cash will go quickly. Like You can have $300,000 today. And you wonder three months later, where did it go? Like it's gone. I, 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 didn't, I didn't think I spent it all, but yeah, it's gone. So case in point, people that win the lottery are generally broke within five years of winning the lottery. It's, it's just how it works. So I wanted cash flow. If I make $20,000 every single month, I can spend my 20 next month. Guess what? If I was staying in bed and just scratching all day long, that 20,000 is coming in religiously. And that's what I want. So what are the assets that give you that? Uh, multifamily, obviously. Mobile home parks. I was actually pretty scared of mobile home parks because I don't know if you've ever been in a mobile home park, but there's different kinds of mobile home parks. There's the-, the Oh, I'm from North Carolina, Marco. Yeah. So I'm from the Southeast. The mobile home parks everywhere. And, and there's a different kinds. There's like the, the, the nice ones in Florida where there's swimming pools and shuffleboards and tennis courts. And it's like a retirement community. 
And then there's the ones where you have to pack your nine, you know, and, you know, people are looking around and there's you know, dogs running everywhere. And someone looks at you and goes, you got a pretty smile with all them teeth. You know, it's, you got, you, you have a, a real uh, change in, in, uh, in economic structures there, but uh, you know, you can get a mobile home park if you obviously buy it right at, you know, 15, 20, 30% returns. And that's very exciting, which if, if you, if you, you know, most, if, if, you know, the S and P you're going to get maybe 10% uh, is I think the, his, the historicals on that. Uh, and if you can beat the S and P you're, you're going to attract a lot of investors because you're looking to beat the market. That's what the market is. So if I can find an asset that beats the market and I can make the spread, which is ultimately all I do, I find an asset that has, you know, great value. Uh, yes, I was scared of it at first and there was a learning curve to learn and I learned what to do, what not to do. Uh, you know, what years I should, what, you know, if the, the, the park is old, if, you know, what I, what I need to look out for, if the park is newer, you know, what are the advantages or disadvantages of that? So big learning curve, but I'm, I'm, I'm a guy that I, I sadly, uh, I, I couldn't find a mentor, which is, I think the, the fastest path to cash for anyone is find someone that's made the mistakes. Don't go make them yourself. Find someone that can avoid, help you avoid those mistakes because, It'll save you not only a lot of time, but most importantly, money. Uh, sorry, most forgive me. That was completely backwards. Not only money, but time. Time is way more important than money. So I went through a very long, terrible learning curve, made a sh sh lot of mistakes. I don't know if I can swear here, but I made a lot of mistakes. And man, it was, it, 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 it was, it was interesting. But because I knew I had to buy it at least 30% off uh, its value, and I knew approximately, you know, how to determine value. I was okay even if I made those mistakes because there's a lot of cushion uh, in in that. So, as long as you are, I feel like I'm getting off topic here, but uh, you know, as long as you're focused on hedging your bets, because if you buy something at thirty percent off, you can find the money and never use a nickel of your own money to do it. There, it's something called asset based lending. So, asset based lending is something that most don't have really heard of. So credit-based lending is if your credit's good, you can buy this. But asset-based lending is if the deal is good, they'll give you the money based on the, the value of the deal. Just like a pawn shop, you go to a pawn shop, you give them your watch and they give you a certain amount on a loan, right? So instead of them holding onto a watch, they're holding onto a property and you can get up to 70% of the value of that asset if it's a commercial asset. So if I'm buying something at 30% off, I don't have a nickel of my own money and they're willing to give me the money. It's not tied to my credit. So if I really screw things up and they take it back, they're okay because there's still 30% equity in there that they're going to you know, be okay with. If they dump the asset for 80%, they're still ahead 10%. So I don't have any money involved in any of the transactions that I do. So to answer your question, it's terrifying to get into these big projects. Well, if you have no money involved and you're really wanting to do the right thing and try to get this thing humming and, and extract as much cash flow as possible out of this, and that's what you focus on, what do you have to lose? Do you want to spend your time working for someone else, making someone else rich? Or do you want to invest your time using other people's money to grow a business that will only benefit you at the end of the day? What's a better use of your time? You can either spend it or invest it. And the bigger the deal, the more money you're going to make. So it's up to you. You want to make 10,000 bucks a year or you want to make a million bucks a year? or a million dollars a month. It's just the size of the deal or the number of deals that are going to get you into that. And some people, Marco, are going to say, well, it's you, Marco. You've been doing this for 20 years. You you know how to 
you know, make the deals work. Like I can't just go out there and find a mobile home park or a small mobile home park. Like what can someone do if they really are interested in learning about how to get involved in mobile homes? What's just, you know, two tips that you would tell someone about getting started if they're interested in learning how to do anything with mobile homes? Well, if it, mobile home park, hotel, whatever it is, if so, there's there's a there's a website that you might not have heard about. Uh, I'll share this with you if you have a pen and paper, just in case you don't forget it. It's called the Oracle of the Google. Just go on Google and put mobile home parks for sale, Tennessee, and you'll have a whole bunch of sites that pop up with mobile home parks that are for sale, and there they are. So. Uh, the internet allows you to find pretty much anything without leaving your home. So hotels for sale, mobile home parks for sale, all those things that are for sale are all available online. All right. So that's, that's step one is they're everywhere. Um, Is there a learning curve to learn how to access money? Yes. Yes, there is. Uh, It took me 20 years to learn how to find the money so I didn't have to use credit-based lending because I didn't have any credit. I lost a lot of my credit in 2009. Uh, and being Canadian, I was doing business in the U.S. with no social security number with asset-based lending. So I had to find a way to borrow money without using my credit because I didn't have any. So there are uh, you can do it the hard way, which is trying to figure this out for yourself. Or as I said earlier, uh, find a mentor, someone that can actually show you the ropes. I do mentor people and I do have classes that I, that I empower people to actually do one deal. I, the, the classes that I teach are more doing than they are seminars, meaning that you, if they're small batches, uh, 25 people max, and everyone that's in that class, I hold you accountable until you, and I will, we will help you until you close one deal. So it's not, you learn it and see you later. We love you and leave you. We actually have a process to actually get you through your first deal. And it's forbidden. I'm going to say this again, forbidden to use a nickel of your own money ever. If you're using your own money to buy real estate, you're not doing it right. I love the way that sounds. That sounds awesome. But I got to still separate it because people that are listening right here on the phone say, well, on this podcast, it's, you know, it's a mobile home park or, well, it's a hotel. So let's talk about a hotel specific this time, Marco. So if people are listening and they don't like one, they can like the other. Um, Why, how did you get involved in a hotel opportunity? Because I look at it, it's a distressed property. You know, but hotels, there's a business side to it as well that I know of. And let's talk about hotels and why if someone's really interested in a hotel, let's talk about the beginner side of hotels, how you got into, you know, your first hotel as an investment property. Well, um, as I, as I said earlier, it was a guy selling a mobile home park. Uh, it was a package of properties that included a mobile, uh, this, this hotel. And, um, he was a slave to this hotel. He didn't understand how to run the operations and I didn't know either. I, 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 you know, I'm a newbie here. I'm, I'm like, okay, well, th- this hotel seems like a good deal. Uh, it's not really generating a lot of revenue. Um, and then I had to find someone that really could explain to me how to run this thing. Cause I don't want to be there at a hotel every day running things. I don't want to be a hotel operator. Uh, I want to focus my time finding deals, spending time with my family. Um, I have an extremely good lifestyle. I work two days a week. That's it. And I take uh, from June 15th to September 15th off. I don't work at all. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to support that lifestyle. I want to, I work Tuesdays and Wednesdays and sometimes on Thursdays, but Mondays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, not working, not picking up the phone, not handling emails. And I, I want to have my lifestyle uh, and my investments built around that. So it supports it. I'm not working for my business. 
my business has to work for me. So at first, obviously I didn't start there. That's where I am now. Um, I look at the project and I go, okay, well, who can help me figure this out? So what I did is I went to a hotel. Um, I started talking to the front desk. I met the owner. I said, I'm interested possibly in, in, I will do whatever it takes. I work for free. I just want you to explain to me how to run a hotel, small little hotel. And I had to do whatever he told me to do for, you know, for a period of time within the schedule. Cause I have four kids. So I had to balance, you know, whenever they went to bed, whatever, I'll, you, you want me to come at three in the morning? I'll do that. I just, I have kids, here's my commitment, but I'll do whatever it takes to learn. And that's what I had to do. And I did that three different times with three different hotel operators. And I learned from three different people with three different perspectives. And I took what I thought was the best from each one of those and created my own process and then put someone into place in that. So I had to hustle at first to learn because there's no book, tape, seminar on how to buy hotels that I knew of at that time. And that's just what I did. So I had to hustle, find someone. Now, I live in Orlando and there's a ton of hotels in Orlando. So, And I believe wherever you live, there's going to be a ton of hotels where you live. And there are going to be people that are going to be able to help you if you just come from a place of service. How can I serve you? Not, hey, I want to learn how to buy, you know, how to do hotels. Help me. It's I'll do whatever you need me to. I will literally work for free. But the caveat is I just want a, a little bit of information because I'm looking at buying a hotel and I want to learn more. So it's it's a very, and not everyone's going to say yes. Some will say, get out of here. I don't want, need your help. Not interested. And no is not an option. I'm going to get to the person that says yes. I'm going to change the way that I ask because I can't ask the same question a hundred times and get the same result because that's the definition of insanity. You can't do the same thing. You have to change a little bit what you're doing. Got to the right answers and figured it out. Now I actually have processes around that and I teach this stuff um, in a way where it's very clear, understandable, and you know what is going to be a good deal and what's not going to be a good deal because I did buy a few hotels at the very beginning that were just terrible. I should not have bought them. I didn't know any better. I made mistakes. Thankfully, I was able to pay my investors. I didn't make any money uh, and I didn't lose any money because I didn't have any money in. So it's a hotel that I didn't make money on, but I didn't screw anyone over at the same time. So at least I was, it was because I bought it right. I, there was no upside and opportunity for the investors, but at least they got their money back. And because they know that I will do whatever it takes to make a project succeed, they're like, what other project do you have that we can invest in? So they were, it's more about the project than me as Marco, right? So we like the numbers. We understood it. It didn't work. Got it. We'll take some responsibility into that. We didn't see it either. Now we know it didn't work. We're not going to do that again. Let's go on to something else. And there's going to be listeners that are saying, well, okay, you talked about mobile homes. You talked about hotels. But here's the next question that goes right along with the mobile home question, Marco. How do you find a hotel that's going to be well, that has a potential to be a motivated seller that I could talk to? Because there's going to be some real estate people on here listening too. They say, "Oh, hotels sound interesting." Then they're going to have to go through their own process of, you know, evaluating, negotiating, understand that process. But they're going to say, "Well, it, you're Marco. You can easily find those now, just like with mobile homes and single-family houses, whatever else." How can they find something if they really want to go down that path to learn a little bit more about how to get involved in hotels? Um, same as the answer for mobile home parks is you can Google it. Uh, but understand that deals are not found, they're created. So uh, I'm looking for, a, as you said, a motivated seller. But at first, when something is listed, they're looking for the best possible price. 
And the only way you're really going to know if they're how, what their motivation level is, is by making offers that are very, very low and expecting a no. So my negotiation process is not making an offer and hope I get something accepted. It's making a an offer that's very low based on, hey, I know you're not going to like this. I know you're, in fact, probably going to hate it. And I'm trying not to sound like a bottom feeder, but this is going to be quick and it's going to be cash. And if you want it, let me know. And it's a very, very, very low offer. And most will say, get out of here. But the motivated ones will actually say, listen, I can't take that. It's too low, but I could take this. And then we start the games at that point. And that's the fun part for me as a negotiation part is trying to get to the right number to, 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 to be the strike price, if you will, the, the, the number that I want. Now, if you want a quick and dirty calculation uh, on, on and, and, and again, this, take this with a grain of salt because depending on the size of hotel will change the calculation. But if you want to just see if the hotel just makes sense from a, what they're asking perspective, if you take the gross and, um, and uh, divide that by 0.3, all right. It'll give you an approximate um, a value of, of what that thing should be worth. And it, you'll know if they're asking above that value or below that value. And if they're asking a little bit below, then there's more likelihood of them being more motivated. So, and again, this is just a general rule, just a down and dirty, quick calculation. If you know nothing of hotels, it's a very complex calculation to tell you the truth, but a very fast one just as a sniff test is take the gross, the actual collected gross divided by 0.3. Um, and you're, you're going to get, um, sorry, times 0.3, you're going to keep, um, it's, you're, it's, yeah, it's, it's the, the gross divided by 0.3, forgive me, is going to be your actual, uh, ish, net ish number. Okay. That's a great nugget for anybody that's interested in doing that. So you can leave with some value of mobile homes, maybe if you're an investor hotels, but let's move to something I wanted to ask you about you, Marco, meaning your business, where you started, you know, how you pivoted in life and all those things. Do you think that now and all of the things you've been able to accomplish in this second run at things in life, right? You know, being, you know, a dad to the four kids, uh, moving and, you know, starting over building this, helping people from all over the world. You know, you've been speaking on numerous continents. I can't remember how many countries you've spoken to and how many people places you're training people now, but do you think that going through the loss, uh, starting over, uh, do you think that that changed the way you conduct your business with sellers and potential uh, other investors? Meaning, are you more, I guess, do you listen differently now when you're talking to someone that's in a, a motivated situation, like someone that's got multiple properties, for example? Because I get this, people ask me this question, is Chad, you know, do you feel like you're taking advantage of people sometimes? Are you doing this? And, you know, are we manipulating them? Are we persuading someone to do what we want? What is your take? Do you think that you're more um, humble in your conversations? You're more, uh, I guess I'm trying to think of, are you more considerate of what they're going through? Tell me how you have gotten to a point where you could communicate with people a lot better than, you know, now maybe this round. I don't know. It's definitely less ego driven in how I can serve and help them. Uh, 100%. And I think humility is very important when you're negotiating. And uh, this is something that I, I preach constantly. Uh, there's two things that I live by is be married to process and divorce from the result, meaning that you really have to have good process in order to have results. If you're focused on, I need a deal, I need a deal, I, 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 you're never going to get one. So 
there's a good process put in place and you follow it, the results will be there. That's why McDonald's can churn out billions of burgers process, right? It's They've nailed it. They understand it. They do it. It's done. So be married to process, divorce from results. And two is be warm with the human, but cold with the numbers. So I'm very warm with people. I, I, I People, relationships are much more valuable than money. And I, we discussed that earlier in, in this conversation. That was the aha moment I had uh, as a human is money is not important. Relationships are. That is the currency. That's the real currency is relationships. So how can I build better relationships. And every seller that I speak with or every agent that I speak with, I want to create a relationship with them understanding that if the numbers don't make sense, as much as I would love to buy this, I can't and I won't. It's not because I don't have access to the money. It's I won't write a check for something that I can I can find that return anywhere. Why would I buy this? And it's no offense to you. I want to help you in your situation. I'd love to help you get to whatever next step you have. However, these numbers won't allow me to do it. So it's it's a style of negotiation which has you know the, the necessary testosterone. And I'm not really in sales. I'm more in the purchasing side. I want them to sell me the property. So it's no longer a, an aggressive, I'm going to sell you on the concept that I'm going to buy it. It's, hey, I have a pile of money here. If you want it, go ahead and take it. Now, again, it's not my pile of money. I'm using other people's money. I'm using asset-based lenders' money. And I know exactly what they want, what they need, and how quickly we can close, which is 10 days. Because if you have money and it's not being used, you're losing money. That's the reality. If you have money in your in your Roth IRA and it's just sitting there, you're losing money. It's not making you any money at all. You want that money out and working as quickly and as efficiently as possible with the best, safest returns, period. And if I find the right property at the right price by communicating that I need the right property at the right price, when you're able to come down, I want to help you. I just can't at the number that you need. If you can come down, let's get this done as quickly as possible. So it's very personal, but at the same time, it's really numbers driven at the same time. Hopefully that's clear and gives a lot of value to, to all of you listening. And married to the process, divorced from the results. That's a huge